we go! Welcome back to the Lights Out F1 podcast. Uh, today we're missing both Jeremy and Claire. Uh, it's spring break at the college, so Claire's out having fun, and Jeremy, he might pop in. Um, but you have me and Jakob today. Uh, What's up? And tomorrow, we're at our first free practice in Saudi Arabia. Yes, I'm... Yeah, um, I think it's, what, the second newest street circuit behind Miami, if you really want to count Miami as a street circuit. Um, yep. So, let's just start off with a fun fact that you're going to hate. This is the last time that Lewis Hamilton won a race. No, isn't Brazil the last time he won a race? Um, was Saudi Arabia after or before Brazil? I'm pretty sure it was... Uh... I'm pretty sure it was after. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it was after. Yeah. They dropped a quiz on the um, F1 app. Um, they're like, true or false, is this the last time that Lewis Hamilton won a race? The last time Lewis Hamilton won a race was Saudi Arabia 2021. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So it's a bit of an alarming uh, fun fact, and I don't think it's a very fun fact for you. No, it's not. Um, but also last year, uh, I think both times we've had the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, as we've only had it for two years, um, we've had really close fights at the front. Uh, the first time it was between Max and Lewis, and we all know what happened there with the whole uh, no one no one knew what was going on thing. Max yeah. apparently brake-checking Lewis, and Lewis really wanting another slipstream. Um, and then the second time last year, we had uh, Charles and Max... Uh, fighting for DRS the entire uh, race and uh, finishing the race. And I think the closest margin all of last year with a 0.549 second gap between them. Um, yeah. DRS, clearly a big thing on this track. I mean, yeah. I think this new generation of cars. Uh, would you agree with, um, I want to say it was either Karoom or Ted Kravitz that said that um, DRS in this new generation of cars is too strong. I don't know if it's too strong. I think you we've needed DRS mm -hmm. for a while now because otherwise you're just not seeing too much overtaking. The DRS helps the overtaking. I think I think for this for this year's race in Saudi Arabia, they've moved uh, the sensors, the DRS yeah. sensor points, uh, especially at the corner where they're constantly like fighting over uh, breaking early to try and get the DRS detection. <laughs> Um, so, um, I don't know if it's too strong. I think F1's ultimate aim eventually is to move away from DRS and progress to natural overtaking as opposed to using, uh, DRS constantly. So yeah. I don't think it's too strong. I think in certain tracks, maybe the length of the straight is a little too much. Like, mm -hmm. for example, I think in, uh, uh, like uh for Brazil, take Brazil, Brazil, for example, that main straight. It might be a little too long because you get you just pull up right behind like 2021 Brazil like he Hamilton all of his overtakes were all pretty much there with the exception of um, um, the one on Max. Yeah. So um, I think uh, maybe for certain tracks shorten it a little bit, mm. shorten the uh, DRS availability in certain certain tracks. But other than that, I think it, I think until you can transition yeah. to a natural overtaking type thing, I think DRS is perfect perfectly yeah. fine. I mean, I feel like with DRS, it's like, yeah, it's really strong. Um, I think in these cars, though, it's necessary. Um, it is easy to follow in these cars, which is something they were going for. Yeah. Previously, DRS wasn't as useful because um, in the 2014 to 2021 cars, I think everybody knew it was super hard to get in that one-second zone um, because your tires would start shredding up once you get within, like, three seconds behind them. Um, 
and I mean, it's most apparent every single time you see any time when Lewis and Max go at it, like whoever was behind would always complain like, hey, dude, it's so hard to follow. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so DRS clearly really strong. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like if the day ever comes when it becomes like natural overtaking down a straight where it's just like really fast through a, stri- like a slipstream or I feel like it'd have to be almost entirely like overtaking the middle of corners, which is a very high skilled maneuver for most people. Cause now yeah. it's like you see somebody go up the outside of a corner or like Fernando Alonso, I guess like down the inside of a turn 10, like those are spectacular overtakes and like everybody's looking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do agree. It should be something I think we do need it for now. Um, yeah, this track is very different compared to Bahrain. The attempts aren't as high. Uh, the downforce isn't as heavy here, just because uh, the corners aren't as tight. It's a lot looser in the corners, um, save for our two hairpins. Um, what cars do you think are going to excel here, comparatively speaking, uh, to Bahrain? Well, I think the Red Bull league of its own. It's gonna. I think it's a domination by Red Bull unless they get it like spectacularly wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Red Bull is gonna Red Bull. I think uh, you're gonna see. Well, I mean, well Ferrari with its 10th place. Hopefully, Carlos Sainz put up somewhat of a comp, somewhat of a competition to Max and Checo. Um, and I think between um, the McLaren, not the McLaren, uh, the Mercedes and the Aston Martin. I think. Uh, I don't know honestly because I think Bahrain's the outlier because it's super. Uh, heavy on it's super uh difficult on the rear tires and yes. the mercedes just didn't have the rear to um you know to compete so i think with the new with the type of i think it's tarmac now for the um for saudi arabia so i think um we'll see i think i think if you're gonna read bar if you're gonna take bahrain as a measurement stick i think aston martin have the advantage but yep. i'm excited to see what because uh, i think mercedes have some floor upgrades um they're bringing in for this for this race so i'm excited to see what mercedes uh how what they're able to pull out uh for this particular race yeah so jumping back to red bull real quick um checo last year got pole um and i think this year he's probably gonna put up another really good contest for pole with max just because it seems like he's very confident on street circuits like i mean i think all four of his wins at red bull have been at a street circuit um, with Azerbaijan, Monaco, Singapore. Um, I think actually it's only three wins at Red Bull, and then he has the one win in Bahrain when he was at Racing Point. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, all of his uh, three of his four wins are uh, street circuits when he's at Red Bull. So, do you think he's going to be more competitive with Max at this race uh, compared to a, a Bahrain? Uh, possibly. I mean, he went, he had pole and then, you know, the win was obviously sort of taken away from him last season, but mm-hmm. he had pole last season. So, and I think also, I think Max isn't doing so well health wise yeah. or has something, something's wrong with yeah, him. Coming well, in a bit late, so. so, um, uh, you know, I think all of those factors could create a perfect storm for Checo to possibly mm-hmm. take pole and then the win. Yeah. Um, but um i don't think i think it'll be it'll be a hard fought pull and a hard fought win if he does manage to get both mm-hmm. um on the topic of uh ferrari obviously we know charles has that 10 place grid penalty um i don't think it's going to be as easy for him to come through the field this year as it was as it was last year um a lot of the cars are a lot closer as far as like speeds um yeah and i think like having to overtake the lights likes of a 
Williams and Alpine. I mean, this track specializes in straight line speed, which are two things that those cars are very good at. And also trying to overtake, like, even the Alfa Romeos or getting in the top, I think, probably getting in the top eight is going to be, like, one of the most difficult things. I can oh. see him easily getting into the top ten, like, maybe ninth. But, like, after that, I think every single place is going to be super hard fought. I think he's got to hope that he – I think he's got to hope that he gets into Q3 and gets at least onto the top, the front row. Yeah. And then hopefully he gets relegated down. He'll probably get relegated down to 11th or 12th. Yeah. So, um, but I... <laughs> I don't think... It's going to be a hard... I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's got hope. He's just got to hope that he can get it, like, somehow. Because otherwise it's going to be, like, a, it's going to be a long race for him. Because I remember back back in Canada last year, Montreal 2022, he was coming from the back of the field and was just not making as much progress as you'd think he'd make mm-hmm. in that car. And now that the car is even, like, it's, I think it's taken, a, there's a little bit of a step back, it seems to have taken, compared to the Red Bull. Mm. I think he's he's going to have a long race ahead of him, and, you know, he, he better be praying every lap that something doesn't fail. <laughs> yeah. Um, another thing I was thinking he was probably going to be hoping for is uh, safety car, virtual safety cars, anything to, like, help him get closer to the rest of the field. Oh, yeah. Happens. No, but, I mean, um, yeah, I think that's, that's a... Uh, yeah, keep yeah. on, sorry. That's a high probability at this track. We've had two yeah. safety, three safety cars at this track, a couple of red flags. Yeah. So, so um, let's see. Twenty twenty one, we had one actual safety car, and then twenty twenty two, we had one. So, and then we had three virtual safety cars in twenty twenty one. Albeit it was the yeah. first year of the track, but um, they did modify the track. So I think seven of the like twenty four corners there um, are now much wider and have um, rumble strips on them. So that way people know that they're getting really close to the wall. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they're trying to use it as a, a safety precaution because obviously you have the, you know, I don't really want to count the 2021 safety car because Nikita Maj has been literally just trying to force his way through George Russell since he couldn't get past him. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, outside of that, it, I feel like this is a track where people – in qualifying, they're a lot more aggressive because you're really yeah. trying to push the limit. But I think during the race, people are much more like, I don't want to say cordial, but uh, nice to each other because nobody wants I, to be on the wall. <laughs> I disagree with that. I think Esteban Alcon would disagree with you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Max Verstappen, for that matter. Last year, he didn't put up much of a fight. But 2021, he was aggressive as hell for him. Oh, so. yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, on the topic of Ashton Martin uh, and Alonso, um, I can see him putting the car pretty high. I don't... So, I think the car looks good in Bahrain. I don't think it's just going to majestically fall off. But, um... I can see it fighting uh, all three of the top three teams. Or, I guess, the other top four teams now at this point. Um, Because I don't think the weakness of the Mercedes is going to be nearly as drastic as it was in Bahrain. Um, I don't think he's touching the uh, Red Bulls. I don't think anyone is. But I can definitely see the um, Ferraris and Mercedes being a lot more competitive when it comes to qualifying and even in race. Um, But off Alonso, because we all know that he's going to put up something stellar again. Um, Lance Stroll is still injured, but he's apparently doing a lot better than he was during Bahrain. Um, and he'll have full time in Saudi Arabia with uh, somewhat healed wrists and uh, not so broken toe. Um, and he won't be have to be learning the track during the race. Um, yeah. But 
I like for of all people, I think Stroll is the one person I'm probably expecting to get into an accident. <laughs> and it's not uh, I'm against like, him, but it's just like he has broken hands, and it's a very aggressive yeah. Game. I'd say either Stroll or uh, Logan Sargent. I think one of those two would probably more yeah, yeah, either more one, likely it, it, like one of the rookies. Yeah, Logan Sargent, Nick, possibly, Nick DeVries, possibly. I think Nick um, is the lowest risk one out of all of them, just because he's, yeah, very, but I think, he's very yeah. used to tight corners on circuits since he drove in Formula E. Yeah, so I think, I mean, honestly, I think it's either Lance Stroll or Logan Sargent. I'd have more money on Lance Stroll simply because of the he's got those physical issues to deal with. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know how Lance Stroll is going to go. I think... Uh, I think Fernando's going to beat him. Yeah. Um, it's just a question of can he then com- can Stroll then compete with uh, the likes of Ferrari and Mercedes? Mm-hmm. And um, he clearly did it last time. So with George. Yeah. Yeah. He split, he split the Mercedes last race. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, but I think also I think obviously Bahrain being the outlier, you know, yeah. he, George didn't really put up much of a fight. He sort of knew what was coming. Um, but uh, I'm excited to see how the wheel-to-wheel racing goes between the mm-hmm. three, even Fernando, like before between the two the two Astons and the Mercedes. Mm-hmm. I want to see how uh, Lewis and Fernando have evolved their their wheel-to-wheel fighting since 2008, since we haven't actually seen them legitimately race each other in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, outside of that, um, McLaren are bringing a small update. They're planning on bringing three small updates and then the large one. I think it's two small updates and then the large one comes in Azerbaijan. Um, I'm not expecting too much from it. Like, it's not going to be, like, something crazy fast, but hopefully it's something to fix their technical issues. Oh, I would hope. I mean, uh, you know. <laughs> let's hope. <laughs> exactly. Like, anything to not, like, finish, like, DNF and finish out of the top ten. Because yeah. to me, it just seems like they've gone backwards. Like, mm-hmm. over the last, like, uh, two years, they've just gone, like, at least in 2021, they were, like, they were bagging wins oh, yeah. and a couple podiums, a couple here and there. So, since then, it's just been, like... They got the right just been, wrong. Like, 100%. Yeah, and, like, yeah, and the whole, I think, I don't think the 15 millimeter uh, floor change, I'm sure, didn't help them. No, uh, I think no. James Key, admi- yeah, James Key admitted that they it didn't help them at all. They weren't prepared for it. Um, so, um, one would hope that they sort of, they're improving as opposed to going backwards. But also, Lando said, amongst all the rumors, because we've all talked about, like, you know, uh, where do you see him moving if he moves? He's just, he, he openly stated, like, he's not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. Um, and he yeah. doesn't see McLaren as moving backwards, which is kind of mm-hmm. weird because literally everything points to the exact opposite. Um, yeah. I watched a couple of videos and a lot of people like put like, you know, there's the number one team, which is Red Bull, and there's an eight car midfield, which is every other car. And then the team with the last part of the grid is McLaren. And yeah. both of them said that. And I was like, that seems pretty accurate because McLaren is the only team with two cars that basically didn't finish. Um yeah. And I mean, you could say Alpine had a non finisher, but it's really because time penalties. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what he sees in the team. Maybe he's also just like the engineers and the team principal and like everybody else, and they're just like waiting for the new wind tunnel. But uh, I think he's praying that 2024 is a good year because this year's a wrap. <laughs> no, no it's just, I mean, you know, this year is competing for. Hope I, I I thought they'd compete for P four. Now yeah. it's like, can you stay in the top five? <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Um, so, um, I, can I don't know. I think them, like being in the bottom three. Oh no, hundred percent. I could see them finishing outside of the top five for sure. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think. I mean, between him and Lewis, I think they've both denied that they're not going to go anywhere. Yes. You know, that's what every driver is going to tell you uh, when they're in the middle of a contract. At least in the case of Lando, you know he can't go anywhere for yeah. the next couple Nobody years because he's. For him. <laughs> yeah, he's contractually obligated. Whereas yeah, Lewis could put him. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they're both. Yeah. You know. We'll see. Um, where was I? Uh, so outside of that, Alfa Romeo, I feel like is going to be a dark horse here. Yeah. Um, they showed some teeth in Bahrain, but I think here where, um, their car upgrades, I feel like their car upgrades are much more tailored toward a track like this. Um, probably towards street circuits in general, which is kind of weird to say that a car could be tailored, tailored towards them, but it feels like something that the Alfa Romeo excels at. Um, I think a lot of their points last year came from either street circuits or um, Bahrain. I mean, obviously that's a big one, but uh, yeah. I feel like the Alfa Romeo just does better on them. And maybe the changes this year to make it so they can transfer their performance from street circuits to other circuits. But I can see Joe and Botas seriously contesting for points here. Yeah, I think they could. I think they need to have a role Saturday. I mm-hmm. think they need to at least qualify. Uh, I need to. I think. I would I would hope that Bot uh, Bottas qualifies in Q gets in a Q three. Mm-hmm. I think Joe minimum is to finish in the top fifteen, mm-hmm. um, so that they can have a good Sunday. Because if they don't have a good Saturday, then like Sunday is going to be a little more difficult. They'll make it more difficult on themselves. Yeah. But I think the car will. I think the car looked pretty good in uh, in Bahrain. So I think yep. um, sure it didn't. I don't. Did they both finish in the points? No, I don't think they both. I think Joe finished twelve or thirteen. Yeah, so you know, I think a good points haul is on the cards for them this uh, on Sunday, and so just have a good Saturday. That's all they need. <laughs> yeah. Just have a good Saturday. I can see Joe qualifying on, like P twelve or something. Yeah, I would see. I could see. I I can see Bottas getting into Q three, finishing like P P eight, P nine, mm-hmm. and Joe fit a couple places below him, and then you just need to be able to um, get out of the carnage of the first corner, and then yes. you're good. Because I think. The rest of the the rest of the grid will sort of take care of themselves. Yes. If you get what I mean, I think the Alpine will have a big uh, inner fight, but we'll see about that. Mm-hmm. Um, one team I'm really interested in, and maybe it's just because Bahrain might have set them apart a little bit because we were expecting a lot less. But Williams, um, we know they're good in a straight line, and I don't think they've lost that at all. Um, Yuki was following Alex for lap upon lap in a straight line and couldn't get past him. Uh, but I think Williams could be also a really big dark horse here. Uh, Albon could have put the Williams in a Q3 in the first race of the season, um, and I'm 100% certain of that because his lap was going really well until he had that spinner in the middle of it. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see if he'll carry that performance into um, Saudi Arabia, maybe putting it like you know a P10, maybe a P9 like Bodas. Um, and I'm also curious to see where Sargent ends up because, I mean, he showed he has qualifying pace. That's something that he showed in uh, F2 as well. Um, but his qualifying pace is nuts. And he qualified the same time as Lando, but just one place behind, uh, he did it after him. So I'm kind of curious to see if he'll put it into Q2 or not. Uh, Q2 would be the minimum for Alex and I think Logan Sargent. Um I think uh, Bahrain sort of. I think 
they've improved. They've definitely t- taken a step up. Yes. Is what I would say. They've, they've definitely made a forward step. Um, whether they can keep that momentum going throughout the season is like a, an entirely different question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I think at least you know, be able to compete for P ten, P nine on Sunday for Williams would be a good, a good, um, a good starting point, a good start to the season. You know, two weekends competing for point. I mean, one point, but like points nonetheless is still a good start for the season. You're still like. Ahead of McLaren in that sense, so yeah, we could see uh, Alex Albon do the same thing as Lance Stroll last year and just take like seven or eight P tens home. <laughs> yeah, I mean that'd be better than <laughs> what he was doing last year. Um, but I think oh Logan Sargent was the one who got twelfth place um, in Bahrain, uh, right behind Yuki, and then I think Joe actually got like fourteen or fifteen. Um, I don't think we have really much to talk about when it comes to AlphaTauri. It's AlphaTauri, and we're not sure what they're doing. Um, Ugh. yeah, and so AlphaTauri confuses me. Uh, this isn't, like, related to the race anymore for them. It's, like, they confuse me because they get a lot of parts from Red Bull, but they want to operate independently outside of, like, the parts that they get, which is kind of wild because everybody's, like, you know, not everybody, but a lot of people are wondering, like, you know, why isn't AlphaTauri, you know, just as fast as the... Uh, Red Bulls if you know they're essentially like the child team of Red Bull and it's primarily yeah. because they don't actually use Red Bull parts when they have the open opportunity to um, yeah I don't know I think, I think it's an ego thing at least I think uh, for them it's an ego thing I think for Franz Tost it's like I think uh, I think it's like no we can you know, we can build our own car we're not yeah. just Red Bull's sister team I mean you know, so uh, I don't know what they're doing. Honestly, if I were them, I'd be taking all the parts that Red Bull <laughs> I was allowed to take from Red Bull and you know sticking it on that car and seeing what happens. So. Like, hey, this car works now. Surprise! Yeah, they've basically gone backwards over the last couple of years. So you know, yeah. they used to be a mid- they used to be a solid midfield team yeah, from like 20, I mean. 2018 to like twenty twenty one. They were a solid mid twenty twenty one, maybe not, but twenty eighteen actually twenty twenty one as well. Yeah, yeah, they were a solid midfield team, and now they're just like. Back of the pack. Yeah. There's a new Williams. There's a new Williams. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Williams were still back of the pack, but, um, yeah, I don't know. AlphaTauri, it's just, it's really hard to see where they're going. I mean, a lot of cars on the grid, we can see that they have a direction that they're going in. Like, um, Alpine, they built theirs for straight line speed, and they definitely have straight line speed. Mercedes were better at downforce last year. That's something that they're lacking this year. They'll fix it. Uh, Red Bull are the best in every category. Um, and I mean, Williams built their own identity as well. But it seems like AlphaTauri is a team that didn't upgrade very much. Or if they did, yeah. they just didn't create an identity. Um, yeah. And I think McLaren's in the same boat. They just, Their car has no identity. Um, kind of weird thing, but I feel like the Alfa Romeo, like it's not at all related to Red Bull, but I feel like it's probably the most like average car on the grid. Like, always P6, P5 potential in constructors, but, like, never higher than that. It is, like, the yeah. benchmark to hit. Um, and I think Valtteri Bodas is, like, the perfect benchmark for the rest of the midfield. Like, if you can oh, yeah. Bodas in that Alfa Romeo, I feel like it's proven that you're moving above the midfield. Yeah. Um, but Alpine, uh, also very good in straight line. Uh, we have two very good drivers, Pierre Gasly with a great drive. Hopefully, Esteban Ocon doesn't get as many penalties as last time. But what do you see them doing this uh, this time? 
Uh, I think they're competing uh, for um, they're competing for the top best of the rest. I think hopefully. Yeah. Um, P5. Obviously, the car. Yeah, P five, P six, somewhere in that. Mm. I think actually less than P five, P probably P six to P eight. Hopefully. Oh, who do you think? Um, I think you've got the Mercedes on. Oh, for the oh, for in terms of uh, yeah, the constructor standings, yeah. I meant for the race, yeah. but um, yeah, yeah. So obviously, in the race, they're competing for somewhere in the top ten. Hopefully, the, the lower, ideally, the lower half of the top ten. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting Sunday and an interesting Saturday because if both of them can have good Saturdays, yeah, um, you could potentially see what a Pierre Gasly Esteban Ocon wheel to wheel to wheel fight looks like. You, you know, Esteban Ocon. Similar to like Esteban Ocon versus Fernando Alonso, or do you think? Oh, okay. yeah, I think it's gonna. I think it'll be that, but just a little less, because I don't think Pierre Gasly is as 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 talented as Fernando Alonso. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's gonna be um, sort of Esteban Ocon being really aggressive, Pierre Gasly having to sort of gauge what's going on and stuff, but. I think it'll be an interesting wheel-to-wheel fight because I think this, it'll be the hopefully it'll be the first time we see these two as teammates going at it. So, yeah, I think Pierre Gasly, and maybe it's because of how good of a race he had, but I think for now I'm gonna say he's probably a bit faster than Alcon in the car. Um, I don't think it's because he necessarily knows the car better. I just think it's because he has the hunger to do well in the car that he just got, and it's finally his time to like, you know show what he can do now, now that he's not at Red Bull anymore. Um, his, I mean, his driving bar range is just straight-up stellar. If it wasn't for Fernando Alonso and him, like, pulling out the stops for Ashton Martin, I, like, Pierre Gasly is a 100% driver of the day. Um, so I think in Saudi Arabia with the car that they have underneath him, I, I'm i going to say he's probably going to be in the top, uh, let's say P8 after qualifying. I don't know who goes behind him out of the big four, but I can see an Alpine being up there. Um, who am I missing? Where do you? Okay, we talked about them. I think we talked about everybody. No, I mean, oh, we didn't talk about the top three, right? We didn't even talk about Mercedes Red Bull. Red Bull wasn't really much. To well, talk for... about. they'll be on the front row. So. Yeah, I don't think we didn't. I don't think we did Mercedes that. Well, we did a little bit, but yeah, um, um, yeah I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a long weekend for Mercedes. I think it'll. Take uh, It'll. I think because I've been reading a lot and I watched um, a couple of YouTube videos yep. today, uh, and I think I think over the next couple of races, maybe not the next two or three races, but towards uh, maybe four races, four, five, and six, um, I think we're going to see big changes to Mercedes because I think both Lewis and George both said in their in their respective press conferences, big decisions have been taken yep. and. There's going to be a change to what the car look. I don't. I don't know if it's good, what the car looks like, uh, but big decisions have been taken regarding the car and the, the philosophy. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to see what they go down. With. Is it like sort of are they just going to copy either Red Bull or Ferrari, or is it going to be something uh, new that they've come up with? That let's pray to God that works. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting. I mean. Um clearly what they have right now isn't working i mean yeah i think they've reached the potential just gonna throw you know you can't just throw a red bull side pot on there 
just because no. uh, Red Bull is one of the few teams that runs the opposite um, suspension configuration from everybody else, where yeah. they run a pull around the front, push around the back, and everybody usually most teams run the opposite. Um, and obviously that means Red Bull clearly has something that they like to work on there. Adrian Newey is, I mean, he's made the car even better somehow than it was last year. Um, but yeah, Red, uh, not Red Bull, Mercedes have a lot to work on with the car. Um, I don't want to say that it's, you know, the entire engineering and, you know, uh, mechanical side of things, but I mean, it is, it's just, I, I don't know. I think personally, I think, uh, how you let, for me, like, I think it's just like, they've shown a bit of overconfidence over the last two seasons. Yep. To me, in that, no, no, we're going to stick with our concept. We're going to let Mike Elliott do his thing. You know, how you let, like, James Allison, like, who basically built your dominant cars, go and work on boats for, like, a, <laughs> for off in 2021. And then, you know, it's like, I don't know. I think it's a bit of uh, arrogance and a bit of technical ego. Like, we've built championship cars. We know how to build championship cars. So I think... Um, I, I mean, I would hope there's some like something big is gonna have change because this is clearly not working. I think they've reached the potential of the zero pod thing because like last season they were saying, I think at the beginning of the testing they were saying that they had a, the performance um, that the performance that they they think the zero pod design could bring was like a second, a second and a half. Yeah, and that sort of got thrown away because of the purposing. And now that they've gotten rid of the purposing, they've sort of caught up that second, second and a half. But the rest of the grid has gone up has sort of also advanced in terms of performance. So I think they've reached the potential of that, of the zero pod design, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, um, it's interesting to me. It's uh, so I think I don't, I wouldn't say they've reached the potential of it, but I do think that having the floor raised uh, did stunt it drastically because I feel like the way that they were maximizing how good the zero pod design was, was when it was able to run at one of its lowest configurations. Um, that car had immense downforce uh, compared to the rest of the grid last year, um, which, I mean, hurt it at some points, helped it at a lot of others. Uh, I mean, Brazil is the clearest one to say they were able to run it super low to the ground compared to everybody else, and they were super quick. But uh, you can't run it low to the ground if you're damaging your drivers. Um, I think that they can probably find a few more tenths out of it, like maybe two or three, but I don't think they'll find enough to catch Red Bull. Um <laughs> I don't think anyone's finding enough to catch Red Bull, really. Um, no, I, yeah. <laughs> this season for Mercedes is a wrap. Is a wrap. I think it's yeah. it's it's like competing. It's like not losing positions to Aston Martin and yeah. hopefully competing for P two in in the championship. Yeah, um, I think twenty. 20- uh, three teams competing for P two instead of two, and I think it's gonna be a lot closer this year than it was last year. Because last year oh, no. it was like Ferrari, kind of looking like they're gonna drive away with it, and then falling off in the latter half reverse mercedes yeah. and then this year it could be just all three of them just duking it out like full on for p2 and right now aston martin's holding that pretty tight yeah i think um unless both ferrari and mercedes get their act together in terms mm. of for ferrari reliability and strategy and mercedes it's like get a foster car and develop the hell out of it yeah aston martin are looking pretty solid for p2 right now i think one race in, we might be hyping them up a little too much. I yeah. think maybe after Melbourne or the fourth race, um, we can then solidify and say, okay, yeah, they're solid in P2. But mm. 
Uh, I think it's going to be a big fight for P2. I don't see Red Bull really falling off unless like the whole uh, CFD and arrow penalty, um, the wind tunnel penalty kicks in and they really just sort of like something disastrous happens. Um, I think P2 is up for grabs for three teams right now. Yep. And then, so I guess what we can kind of separate it now is rather than last year where it was like a 1, 2, 2, 2, 2, 2, 1, it's just like Red Bull... I mean, I think most people would probably agree with George Russell when they say Red Bull's got the title in a wrap this year. Oh, no, 100%. 100%. Um, But now we have three people for P2. We have five people for uh, P5. And then, not to be mean to them, but McLaren not looking like they're going above P10 right now. Uh, you, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, kind of, yeah. Like Unless like this Azerbaijan upgrade kicks in and like mm-hmm. sort of like just pull vaults them above Haas, Williams, Alfa Romeo, Alpine, mm-hmm. or at least gets them into that uh, sort of P5, P4 to P6 pack yeah. uh, in the constructors. They're looking like they're competing with like uh, Alpha Tari for lost and second lost. Yeah. Um, forgot to talk about Haas. That team was overwhelmingly underwhelming, and I mean, like, oh, yeah. in the worst way. Uh, yeah, Nico Hulkenberg had his crash, but also I think we were expecting way too much at the start of the year for them. Um, yes, they're gonna be using a lot more money this year. They'll be able to upgrade a lot more, but it's not like they're gonna have it all instantly. And I feel like Nico Hulkenberg maybe got everybody a little too hyped by putting that car in Q3. Um, yeah. I don't see them competing as much as we thought they would. Maybe in the latter half of the year, sure. But during this early part of the year, they showed one lap pace, but their race pace isn't really there compared to, you know, Alpine, Williams, Alfa Romeo. Yeah, I mean, I think um, I think you'll see them towards the end of the season com- mm-hmm. uh, sort of... Um, compete in the midfield, sort of for P5, P6, P4, maybe. Um, but I think it's, I think for them it's going to be incremental because they need to develop that car um, and sort of get Hulkenberg um, uh, acclimated with the team and acclimated with the car itself because he's only ever driven, he's not driven in a while. So um, I think he'll get there. I think. First off, first couple of races will be a bit underwhelming for them. Will be a little bit of a, uh, it might not be points, but there'll be points, I think, but like less points than you would expect them to score. Yeah. Um, but I think they'll get there. I think they will, I think eventually, once they've developed and towards the end of the season, they'll get there eventually. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that they'll have as many points this year as they had last year? Uh, how many did they have they last year? 27 last year. <laughs> Where do they finish? P six, P seven, P eight. I think they'll score a lot more than that. Really? Yeah, I can see them doing it. I think between Magnussen and Hulkenberg, they're both really solid point getter drivers. I think you, and I think you, I think they're also competing with like rookies for the most part. Com- like compared to their age yeah. ages, they're competing with rookies. They're competing with Albon, Sargent, Joe. Um, I call Albon a rookie anymore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, fair. Okay, so lo- Sargent, Joe. Nick DeVries, to an extent. Um, I think I rate both of them higher than Yuki. Um, I think... Uh, and uh, uh, Right now, I think I classify Hulkenberg as, like, a rookie for the car. Because yeah, for the, the car, last time yeah. he had a full race seat, he, it was in a previous regulation period. 
True, but he's also driven these cars. Like he I mean, yeah. drove the Aston. He he drove two races for them last year because um, Seb yeah. had COVID. But um, I mean, so is Nick. Like Nick DeVries also drove the cars. So it's not like you know. I feel like if we're saying obviously Nick DeVries is a rookie, I feel like Hulkenberg with the new area of cars is a rookie, and I think he's most comparable to the rookies. <laughs> yeah, well, like the thing, I think the thing that separates him is his experience. Yeah. His experience of wheel to wheel racing, his experience with sort of managing an entire race and managing um, a, a sort of a season long competition. Yeah. So I think that's where he has an advantage. But um, I just I think they score a lot more. I think I think personally, I would be worried for uh, all of the Ferrari customer engine cars that yes. are using Ferrari engines. Yeah. I would be very worried if I were them. Yeah. Um, so back to James Allison, um, the man who's working on boats. Uh, this is one of the things that I kind of brought up last week with the idea of, you know, um, teams sending out their uh, top staff to work on other projects, albeit James Allison was fully working in another project. Um, if there's one thing that boats need for speed, it's aerodynamics. <laughs> Uh, oh yeah yeah and so i think that strategically speaking while it may seem like you know mercedes are bringing in uh james allison to fix the car i think the other way you can flip it around rather than saying that mike elliott is it, is it mike mark My, mike elliott okay, mike, mike elliott. elliott um instead of saying he got it wrong maybe they're bringing in james allison saying maybe mike elliott has it somewhat right and then james allison brings in this other half that he might have been missing. Yeah, potentially. I mean, um, potentially, Mike Mike Elliott could have gotten it right, and now James Allison is sort of supervising or providing input, and I think he's supervising future updates for the car. Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, I mean, I don't see Mercedes switching to Red Bull or Ferrari. I think, I think Merce- Mike Elliott ha- and I think has been pretty clear about. Um, the big upgrade I think that's coming to Imola, I think mm-hmm. he's been pretty clear that it's not going to be like anybody, everybody else's. It's going to be sort of unique to them. Yeah. So, I, and I've, I'm pretty sure, like from what I've been reading and watching, James Allison is going to have more input on the upgrades and the Imola upgrade especially. Mm-hmm. So, uh, he could have gotten it right. I'm not saying he didn't yeah. get it right. I'm just saying it just seems to me like um, they haven't got it right. Like if you on on paper on and the results yeah. like as Toto Wolf is famous for saying the stopwatch doesn't lie right yeah. and you've got a car that isn't finishing ahead of everybody else so yeah. I, potentially like they've they've got something in the bag that um they haven't they've that James Allison is going to help them uh bring to the car and develop but um I just you know until that happens yeah. to me Mike Elliott Potter, until it happens Mike Elliott Potter, from my in my opinion Hmm. Um, so a lot of people with the Mercedes car are blaming the side pods just because it is an easy thing to target because it's like the biggest difference between most of the other actually the entire grid versus Mercedes Um, I think one of the interesting things is that a lot of the problems that sprouted for Mercedes weren't actually from the side pods Uh, it primarily comes from their suspension setup and their floor and so what I'm interested with is now that they're um suspension isn't a problem they're not bouncing anymore i think one of the things that they have to start focusing on the floor 
And I think that's something that maybe Mike Elliott doesn't specialize in. Um, and I think that's what that might be the thing that James Elliott comes in to fix because um, like Red Bull, obviously we can say their primary focus was a slightly larger inlet in the side pod and then a much more aerodynamically efficient floor. I mean, a lot of people thought they were cheating with that floor and it's really just smart. Um, and I think that Mercedes have almost everything right on a car. The only problem is that they don't have downforce and that's something that can be attributed to your wings and your floor. And I think those are two, those are things that, um, James Allison is probably better at given the fact that he spent a lot of time working on the wings for the previous Mercedes models. Yeah. And I think, um, I think what's interesting is a lot of, actually a lot of people don't share your view on the whole concept of the side pods is not a big factor. Cause I was watching a couple of videos and I was also watching the, um, uh, I think the sky sports F1 podcast. Yeah. Um, I was watching it with, <laughs> yeah. And I think it was with Martin Brando and, uh, uh, I don't know who the other Jess McFadden, I think. And then there's and yeah. yeah. So she's relatively new, Yes, but, um, and I think it was Brundle who said, like, if, you know, when you look at a car, like, visually, you look at a car, like, you look at the Red Bull, and it looks smooth, it looks like a good car. Visually, it looks appealing to your uh, to your eyes, and it looks like a good car. Mm-hmm. You look at the Ferrari, it's somewhat appealing, it looks like a good car. But, and then he he made he made it a point of looking, like, he said, you look at the Mercedes with the zero-pod zero design, mm-hmm. And he said it looked, I'm pretty sure it might have been him. I could be wrong. It looks clunky. Yes. And, and he said, if it doesn't look good, it's not going to, he, in his opinion, it's not going to be a good car. Mm. And I was all, and so I was also watching like another one. I don't remember what it was. Uh, I think it was the last lap podcast. Those two guys. And there was another guy on the podcast and he was talking about how like in this era, we have no like barge boards, like, the whole like the previous era there was like barge boards and everything else to generate yeah. downforce all these side po- side pods are whether you like it or not side pods are going to contribute towards downforce and outwash and all of that yeah. and he was saying that you i think he's i think he, he said one of the guests on that podcast was saying that um i think we're underestimating how much um the side pods actually matter when it comes to downforce when it comes to speed of a um, I don't think anyone's actually underestimating it just because obviously everybody's saying that Mercedes sucks because of it. So I think everybody's kind of, over. In, in my opinion, people are overestimating the effect that the side pods are having. Obviously, it could yeah. be having a much larger effect. Um, I mean, their side pods are substantially larger than they were last year. Um, I do agree with Martin when he says, Martin Brundle, when he says that it's uh, a lot clunkier. It is. Um, last year's car was a lot smoother. Uh and I feel like the floor raise along with the changes to the visual of the car um, definitely make it look more clunky. Um, but the car is yeah. more stable. And I mean, I think we can all agree that it's much better to watch a clunky, stable Mercedes than a smooth, super, super bouncy one that's damaging the drivers. Um, yeah. But I think it's a very large mix of, you know, maybe the side pod concept isn't terrible, but it's not the best either. Um I think it's a combination of just the entire car because I think Mercedes also is one of the few teams that maximizes the width of the car. Um, and I think 
Uh, a lot of people find it hard to see just because the cars are very close in width size. But if you compare the Mercedes looking straight at it to the um, Alpine, which is the most narrow car, there is a vast difference. Like I think you can see almost the entire uh, the entire right tire or left tire, whichever way you're looking at it. Um, if you put them like against a wall, you can see the entire tire of a Mercedes sticking out. Um, and I think that's yeah. most apparent when we were watching in Suzuka because uh, Esteban Ocon holding off Lewis Hamilton and you could see like how wide the Mercedes looked compared to it. Um, yeah. So I don't know. It's a, Mercedes is a very, always going to be a very interesting topic to talk about now that, you know, they don't have a billion engineers working for them and they can't just change the entire car. I mean, they could, but their cows yeah. would go down the drain. Um, yeah. But yeah, I bet you Toto Wolf is regretting signing up for that cost gap agreement. Oh, right <laughs> <laughs> um, another thing that I want to talk about, kind of related to that, and all the big teams really, um, is how engineers are going to Aston Martin from every big team, uh, not just you know Red Bull, Mercedes, but also some Alpine ones, some Ferrari ones, even some McLaren ones going to um, Aston Martin. And it's kind of interesting because a lot of people are dubbing the Aston Martin like the green Red Bull and saying that it's maintaining the Red Bull. It definitely has a lot of characteristics, but it also takes characteristics from Mercedes in that they use their engine and their rear suspension. Um, you can see that, you know, the Aston Martin, in my opinion, is the collaboration of all of the big teams together in one car making it work. And I think that it makes it really interesting to, to see you know like where is this car better than the red bull it's not but where could it be better i guess yeah. uh, versus like where is it compared to uh mclaren to the alpine to the mercedes like what's it doing better than mercedes right now to make it so much faster because i mean it's clearly faster and what's it doing better than mercedes or, uh, than ferrari right now to make it so much better when it comes to cornering um and i think one of those interesting things about it is just like teams complaining about it uh one person i don't remember what podcast i was watching but they brought up uh an interesting point that engineers who transfer teams shouldn't be able to work on the current era cars and i think that'd be a really interesting because i mean let's take it just from the most notorious dan fellows right because obviously we know he was one of red bull's most integral parts for their new car um Everything that he did at Red Bull, he gets to bring over to Aston Martin. And I mean, it's his work, so it's not he can just like say, you know, Red Bull owns this because technically they don't. It's his. Um, now, whether or not he went, you know, number for number, calculation for calculation up in the air. But just the fact of the matter is he helped build a vast majority of the championship winning car. And now he gets to bring all of that information and all that knowledge over to another team. Oh, uh... <clears throat> I can agree with that solely because it it um it um it neutralizes um sort of any risk of IP. It neutralizes the whole concept of the whole concept of being a green red bull. Yeah. Um. So I can agree with that that they shouldn't be allowed to work on the car current uh, version of the car. Hmm. I think where my um sort of skepticism with aston martin at least rises is that you know you you got dan fallows you built this you know um big sort of um you built like a, a you know a solid car it's faster than uh, two of the 
two of the top teams. Um, and you're hiring um, all these different engineers from Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, Alpine. You know, I think, um, who's it? David Sanchez, I think, Ferrari's chief uh, tech, chief development officer, I think. Mm-hmm. Or I'm not sure what he did. He's one of Ferrari's top engineers. He's now on the engine market for, in terms of um, going somewhere. So, um, you know, you, you'd, you'd imagine Aston Martin, Mercedes, McLaren will be the team sort of bidding to get him to, to work for them. Mm. But um, for me, it's like, you know, you've built this car, you've hired all these, you've poached quite aggressively from a lot of different teams. For me, I think maybe it's just my bias. Maybe it's just um, me not being happy with it. But like, how have you done that and maintained a bocce cap mm. sort of situation? Because I'm, you know, building that car would have taken a big chunk out of your bocce cap. 100%. And, and then you're hiring all these engine. All these engineers aren't going to be cheap. I promise you that much. No. F1 engineers are. <laughs> F1 engineers aren't in like you know just lining up like one off the other. Yeah. So um, I'm I, I I'd be excited. I'd be interesting to know how they've if they've kept it under the budget cap and they've like still done all this and kept it on the budget cap. Like props to them. I want to know what who's their accountant and how he's doing it. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if like next year. Next year, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. We hear of Aston Martin, uh, a budget cap break for Aston Martin in 2022. Yeah. 2023. One thing that... Um, so somebody else brought up something interesting um, kind of related to the point where, um, yeah, it would be cool and interesting to see, like, you know, if you work on one team, you can't work on another for the current aero cars. Understandable. Um, but on the flip side of that, they said that that would leave a lot of people out of work because... Um, let's say you're in that Williams team, let's say you're in that McLaren team where your car's just not working, and they decide that, you know, your services aren't needed anymore. But you're still good enough to be an F1. Right? And then yeah. you can't just go to another team and start working there because, obviously, you just worked another team's car. Um, so, but like, and like I think the easiest concept of this is Mercedes, right? Clearly the engineers haven't gotten it right. Um, they have hundreds of engineers waiting. So you could just drop one, pick up another, and it's like, okay, what do I do with this guy now? Because he's clearly talented, but just not yeah. for this era of car. What if, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, it's really interesting to see both sides of the coin, but um, I don't know. It, uh, it's up in the air. It's, it's also like, you know, outside of just having a large number of engineers, it's also just a really interesting problem. The same thing that I brought up last week, uh, people just not really caring about the budget cap because they're just sending engineers elsewhere to get most of their pay um and i mean there's nothing you can do to combat it it's like unless you say hey if you're an f1 engineer you have to stay an f1 engineer you can't work in anything else but there's no way to viably nah, like watch over nah. that that somebody's gonna nah, that's it. not possible um, yeah because all of these all these teams have like so much aside from f1 right because mercedes has um the whole Ineos boat thing. They have the uh, AMG One program, their hypercar program. Yeah. Ferrari also have. I don't actually. I don't think Ferrari have a hypercar program, but Ferrari have their. Um, I think they recently entered their the Le Mans twenty four hour Le Mans with their hypercar endurance racing cars. But yeah. Yeah, uh, for Red Bull have their Valkyrie, which is all like they're all like Formula One techs. So. Yeah. Um. I, you know, I don't think it's possible to just say, you know, if you're an F1 engineer, you're an F1, you have to work in F1. You have, I think, yeah. 
it's a loophole that that's going to get exploited so you just deal with it as you as it goes yep um all right so we're almost out of time here but we have to get predictions give me your top 10 for saudi arabia ah uh, this is gonna be depressing uh <laughs> let me just pull up this let me pull up the old grid for um <laughs> Because I don't want the grid. Uh, so I, I mean, given an obvious, I'd say Max Verstappen number one, P one for uh, this for Sunday. Uh, for race, we're talking about races, also, right? Fine. Yes, race. I'd say Max one, Checo two. Uh, Lewis three. <laughs> Okay. I'm just gonna I'm gonna hold out hope. As to uh Fernando Alonso four. Uh Carlos Sainz five. Uh, George sixth. Huh. Uh Stroll seven. Um Valtry eighth. Okay. Uh Charles Leclerc ninth. And tenth, let's make it interesting. Uh, Lando Norris. Oh, uh, all right, <laughs> that is interesting. Um, all right, give me your top ten. I'm gonna say Sergio Perez P1, uh, Max Verstappen yeah. P2. Um, okay. I think Carlos Sainz P3. Um, okay. I'm really praying he doesn't have an engine pe- uh, engine issue like <laughs> Charles. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna say Fernando P4, Lewis P5, Lance P6, George P7. I'm gonna say Pierre Gasly P8. Um, okay. Valtteri Bottas P9, and I think uh, I'm gonna say. Espen Alcon P10. I don't think Charles is breaking to the top 10. <laughs> Did I have him at P9? I had him at P9. Yeah, you had him at P9. <laughs> I, was, I, I could see him breaking top 10 assuming he's retired. It's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to be a long race for him, 100%. Um, the best he qualifies, in my opinion, probably behind Fernando, probably behind both the Aston Martins and maybe one of the Mercedes. So I'd say... In my opinion, he's probably qualifying P five, P six, and which means he'll be sitting in P fifteen, P sixteen, <laughs> and making it back to that field's gonna be god near impossible. Um, yeah, I think this race is gonna be unbelievably competitive. But before that, um, Claire also sent me her top ten. So let me go ahead and read those off real quick. Um, for her, it is Checo Perez at P one, Max Verstappen P two. Carlos Sainz P3. This is like mine. Alonso P4. It's like it's four for the same. Lewis Hamilton Damn. P5, which is the exact same. Damn. Uh, George Russell P6. Lance Stroll P7. So let's swap mine. Um, yeah. She said Valtteri Boas P8. Like you. Okay. Charles P9. Like you. And then she just said K Mag P10. K Mag. Yeah, I can. I guess. I That's a. <laughs> fairly bold. Yeah, um, I I don't see the Haas making it the top fourteen honestly. Uh, I I don't see Lando Norris making it top ten. I'm just sort of like you know, praying to God someone okay, someone retires. Speaking, who do you have as your P ten? 
realistically, yeah. if it's a regular race, no retirements, nothing, I could see Esteban Ocon P10 or even uh, uh, Joe P10. Ooh. Joe P10 um, but with knowing Saudi Arabia and how how it is, I'd say you're more likely to see mm-hmm. some someone you wouldn't expect to be in P10, but somehow gets into P10. So yeah, I'd say close, for now, Lando. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. Actually, he yeah, was he like, "What that, the hell?" Do you get a point for this. <laughs> <laughs> it shows you how long he's been competing up for. Yeah. He's like, "All right, Lewis P10." He's like. Is there even a point for that? He's like, uh, yeah, just a point. Um, we love Mono. Um, how many safety cars do we get this race? Virtual and actual. I say one, one safe, one actual safety car, mm-hmm. full safety car, and um, one full safety car, one red flag, and a red flag, one virtual. Yeah, I could see a red flag and okay. one virtual safety car. Okay. Um, I'm going to say one safety car. I'm going to say three virtual safety cars, but no red flag. No red flag. Okay. I don't think there's going to be another red flag. Uh, last time there was a red flag, it's because we had, uh, we had a certain Russian on the grid. (laughs) No, you had also, didn't we have a red flag? Mick was in, uh, qualifying. Oh yeah. Qualifying. Yeah. He just didn't do the race. So (laughs) couldn't have a red flag if it's not during the race. Um, Man, there was one more thing. I... Oh, uh, who gets the fastest lap this race? Oof. <laughs> I'd say this time it's going to be sub 10. I don't think Red Bull is just going to allow someone. I think, I'd say, I'd say either per, I'd say actually, shit, that's a good question. <laughs> I'm, I'm like in between Perez and Leclerc because I think Leclerc won't break the top 10, so he'll want to take the point yeah. off of someone in the top 10. Uh, I'd say I'll say Leclerc. I think Leclerc gets. I think it's gonna be Checo just because he is he's a god at street circuits. I feel like out of all the drivers he's yeah. probably, I think he's the driver that's probably the least afraid of walls. I mean, when we saw him yeah. qualifying lap last year, the guy was on the limit. I mean, every I wall know. was millimeters, and it was amazing. Yeah. Um, I think. In my opinion, I feel like this year he's probably gonna set the fastest lap, uh, break the record for fastest lap in Monaco. <laughs> That's assuming he doesn't put it in the wall on Q three. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. It'd be really funny though if we saw him put it in the wall in Q three. Given what happened last year, it'd be oh. really funny. <laughs> and then like Checo's winning the championship, somebody's close, and then they're like, "Max, you got to defend for him." Max is like, "No, not what happened in Monaco." <laughs> Hell no. Okay. Um, last question uh, for real estate. If Sergio Perez wins this race and gets the fastest lap and Max gets P2, that'll put Max and Checo. Checo will be in first place in the championship by one point. <laughs> Do you think that Red Bull and like Christian Horner will uphold their word and say, you know, we'll support whoever's the number one, whoever's in first place? For uh... I don't, but I also think it's too early in the season for them to start using team orders yeah. and stuff like that. I think they'll wait till... Let me take a look at the schedule, what the schedule looks like. Um, While you're looking at that, uh, it, yeah. I, I think this year, Checo is going to go... Like, I feel like there's a strong chance he'll go blow for blow with Verstappen. Because there's so many street circuits on the calendar this year. And I mean, 
he's shown he his prowess at street circuits like the guy is amazing at them um and also i think he's just getting better as a driver given his age the fact that he's actually getting better as a driver is amazing um and i don't yeah. think the car has developed 100 percent towards max anymore like i think like the new updates are definitely like sergio perez is making the best of them he qualified uh i think less than a tenth no it was uh 1.3.137 seconds between them but had max not done a second quality lap in bahrain i think um perez might have been on pole so i think like perez has the pace to be up there and i think this year uh i think he'll go like i think they're gonna take every race win but i think it'll be like you know like a 13 10 or maybe a 14 9 split between them i think it's gonna be a lot closer than last year <laughs> i don't think so i think by azerbaijan which is like what race of the season um it's, it's fourth sakir Bahrain, saudi arabia australia azerbaijan fourth azerbaijan or miami i think you'll have someone i think you'll have christian calling in team orders and i think it'll be in favor of max verstappen so okay so <clears throat> interesting uh I, I really don't want to count um miami as a street circuit but i will just for the sake of it um we have four street circuits in a row this year we have Saudi Arabia. We do? Yeah, and then we have Melbourne, and then we have Azerbaijan, and then we have Miami. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, Melbourne is a street circuit, yeah. Yeah, and so it's really, like, there's so many tracks that I didn't consider street circuits because, you know, they don't look like street circuits from the outside. Like, you could actually... Yeah, and then, and then you have you have Imola as well, for all intents and purposes. With the size <laughs> of it, it's basically a street circuit taking it producing, so... Yeah, so there's so many street circuits, actually, now. Um... What do you think it is that makes them want to, you know, go to new street circuits rather than drive at actual circuits? Like, a lot of people are like, why not go to, you know, uh, South Africa again or some other place? Like, why not go back to Portugal for theirs or any other ones? The thing is, I think it's because the money is in the city. Yeah. Um, you know, I think... Um, I think that's the reason you don't see um, Hockenheim and Nürburgring back on the calendar is because no one's willing to sponsor such a, a race that's like not in the city. I think the money's in the city. And I also think um, street circuits provide more speed, so you have the more exciting factor of it, with the exception of Monaco, of course. But um, you you see a lot more speed. You see a lot more jeopardy involved in it. You, you, know, you can hit the wall. Yeah. Whereas on a regular track, like for Silverstone, you could like, you know, go off in the gravel, but you'll still come yeah. back onto the track. Um, so I think um, I think there's a lot more uh, the money and the jeopardy and the speed sort of um, bring bring more street circuits into it. Uh, I personally am not a fan of street circuits. Yeah. Um, I don't like Miami. Uh, don't like Imola that much. I think Imola is a boring race because it doesn't. Is, like to both drive it in the game and also to watch it. It's not the most spectacular yeah. thing on the planet. Yeah, I don't like Monaco. Like for the racing, I don't like Monaco. For the event, yeah. okay, yeah. People you know you most associate. Like it's it's not it's not it a procession of cars. It is basically. I mean, you basically saw Lassi. Like it was like the top four, and then you had Fernando Alonso's train just chugging along. Yeah. holding everybody up. Nobody actually changed positions aside from when Ferrari decided to, you know, bin it. Yeah. So, um, yeah. 
it's you know street circuit's not my favorite circuit. I'd rather go to like Mugello or like um, uh, Portugal Portimao. Portimao is amazing. You know? Yeah, it's a fun tracks. Yes. You know, go to Malaysia. Malaysia is always a good track. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's there's a one track. Nurburg. Um, they're always like you know this track. If you can drive it, like you're just like an F two driver. You're just a good driver. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but uh, Macau. Um, oh. apparently the Macau oh, track is insane to drive, and I'm just like, I haven't seen it. Yeah. Ever, but yeah, apparently it's like if you can just make it out of Macau, then you're doing good. No, yeah, I like. I'd go to Malaysia, I'd go to Mugello, I'd go to, what was that one track? Shit. <laughs> I had it, but I forgot. Anyways. Not memorable enough. <laughs> no, uh, I'd go to the Nürburgring. Yeah. The Nürburgring is a great place to race. Mm. Hockenheim, also a fun place to race. I want to see some uh, on know. the calendar, but we probably won't see I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Sochi was so boring. It was like... I just want you to see a lot. What another race? Because that's where he's got most uh, points at. So, <laughs> I mean, that guy's a Sochi specialist at this point. I think that's where. Yeah, I think so. he is one of like one of the most winningest drivers around Sochi. <laughs> Probably, honestly, like the guy. He's like, um, I think there are many. Like, there's twenty. I want to say two thousand twenty or two thousand twenty or two thousand nineteen, um, where he was definitely going to qualify behind Lewis, but. He gave uh, Max a toe down the main straight to get third, um, because starting from third place is better than starting from second there. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so I'm like. Oh yeah, I remember. I remember twenty. Yeah, they like gave Lewis some stupid two penalties, and then you had like the whole thing was off. Like, oh, they're out to get mm-hmm. me or something like that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I don't know that is. Uh, that's all we have for you guys today. Um, if you guys stay till the end, um, let me know what your favorite street circuit is. Um, And yeah, I'm Patrick. That's Jakob. And uh, for Claire's sake, it's lights out and away we go.